Hello there. Welcome back to the divine gift of, of forgiveness. Uh, I'm Tyrone. I'm Jeff. And I'm Rebecca. And today we're going to be looking through chapters 9 and 10, Faith Leads, Repentance Follows, and Only Through the Father and the Son. Chapter 9 had talked a bit about faith. I love how Elder Anderson begins this chapter because he talks about a peer of his, a friend of his in high school that attended early morning seminary. In case you don't know what that is, it's a class that high school students go to, mostly members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, where they learn from the scriptures every day before school starts. And Elder Anderson, as a teenager, um, or his friend, I guess, as they were teenagers, he writes that she seemed to have a desire to do right and to keep the commandments, but at the same time, she had trouble with constantly being obedient to the commandments. He goes on to say that she spoke of wanting to change and repent, but it never seemed to happen. And then he said, and he had tried to help her, you know, in various ways, giving her checklists, maybe encouraging her to talk to the bishop um, who could perhaps help her with that repentance or to hang out with different friends or make different plans on the weekends when she really struggled. But um, he said, uh, if I were talking to her today, I would speak less to her about the steps that would be required for repentance and much more about the source and power of her ability to change, to repent, and to be forgiven. I would speak to her about faith in Jesus Christ. And so I think that's a great way to begin thinking about why is faith, you know, what is this faith in Jesus Christ that gives us power uh, and ability to change and to repent. I like how he emphasized that we can know the principles, the commandments. We can know everything in our mind about everything we need to know. But if we don't have faith, we're just going about our everyday lives, basically. We're not truly trusting the Lord. So, so faith is trust. Yeah, that's how I see. I see faith as trusting the Lord to know what's right, because faith and trust are basically intertwined. I I think I think they're essentially the same thing. Uh, Trusting in the person in whom you have faith. In this case, you know Jesus, the Christ. I like the statement he shared by President Henry B. Eyring. He's a member of the first presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, President Eyring said, Faith is not simply to know God could do something. Faith is to know He will. Um, That to me is fascinating when we think about what is faith in Christ and how that motivates us to not just um, have a knowledge in our heads, but, but to allow that knowledge to sink into our hearts and to actually do something uh, with what uh, you know, with that faith. The faith in Christ is, is essentially a, a belief in the anointed one, the savior of, of the world. Do we believe in him? But we shouldn't just have, have, have faith as in, as in like, we think that he is going to do many of the things that, that he says, or that, or that the leaders of, of the church say, but, but we are to have faith unto action. And that action is going to lead to repentance, hence uh, the title of 
the chapter, faith leads and repentance follows. And so, and so what is a faith in Christ? Faith in, faith in Christ is, or at least real faith in Christ is going to lead to, lead to change, which is essentially what repentance is. Yeah, I think repentance is the fruits of faith. You plant faith, and then the, the result of real faith is going to always lead to repentance. I agree. And maybe that's why um, that statement by President Eyring is so powerful. Faith in, is, is not simply to know God could do something. Faith is to know He will. And when we have that kind of faith, I think we're willing to do we, we will do things as well instead of just, you know, we might do something. I think that's maybe the difference between genuine faith and, and not faith. One, one thing that's important to point out, at least that I was impressed by, is the idea that faith is uh, multidimensional, is what Elder Anderson says. Mm. It has both depth and breadth. He says, your faith is growing or diminishing. Faith grows and strengthens within us as we desire to believe, as we ponder the word of God, as we increase the sincerity and frequency of our prayers, as we repent and keep the commandments, and as we experience the power of the Lord uh, Jesus Christ in our lives. And, um, and then he quotes this great scripture. I think it's one that many members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints have heard of and and used when they're learning more about faith uh, from the Book of Mormon. It's uh, in the Book of Alma. It says, If you will awake and arouse your faculties, even to an experiment upon my words, and exercise a particle of faith, yea, even if you can no more than desire to believe, let this desire work in you, even until you believe in a manner that you can give place for a portion of my words. And so we can see from these scriptures, and also I think from Elder Anderson, this scripture, as well as Elder Anderson's description of faith, that you know, faith isn't static. It's not something that we get or receive and it just stays the same. It's either growing or it's diminishing. And a lot of it, in fact, I think really all of it, most of it has to do with our own exercise of that faith or lack thereof. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be something big that we do to grow our faith. Alma talks about having a desire to believe is enough to start, to make some space so that we can plant the word. And that, I think, correlates really well with Elder Anderson's idea or teaching that, you know, our faith will grow and strengthen as we desire to believe, um, as we ponder the word of God. I mean, these are actions, right? These are things that we're doing that then gives space for that faith that God will give us in him and in his son to, to actually grow and become a real, something that motivates us to act, to actually trust God, like to believe he will do the things he said, so I'm going to do the things he invites me to do. That's I how I see that I forget that sometimes. An instigator? I mean, like, the word instigator has, like, negative connotations oftentimes, but an instigator... <clears throat> It's something that, yeah, encourages, motivates, really gets you, you know, becomes active, becomes living. I think people forget sometimes that faith isn't just, that it grows and diminishes. It's not just stays the same. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think uh, Alma in another context in the Book of Mormon, he talks to, you know, these members of the church that you know he had helped to start and and was heading and and one of the questions he asked them is, you know, basically where is your faith right now? You know, if in the past you have felt this strong faith, do you still feel that way, or or do you not? And I think those are important questions we got to ask ourselves. You know, every day, where are we with our faith and and are we doing those things daily that allow our faith to grow, uh, or, or do we not? And if we're not, I think those, uh, I think our faith does start to diminish. It's much like you know Alma talks about uh, a seed, so he uses you know planting and and agriculture, you know, uh, tr- planting a tree, and 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 he says if you don't take care of that tree, what's going to happen to that tree, right? It's it's going to die, um, and and with our faith, it's the same thing. We have to. We have to do these things in order for our faith to really grow and produce the fruit, as you mentioned, Tyrone, which is repentance. But uh, so I suppose that that leads us to uh, our next question: How do we begin to exercise our faith in Christ? We talked about how we should have faith in Christ to, to the point of of change, which is ultimately going to lead to repentance, because that's essentially what repentance is. It's it's a positive change. Yeah, and. Uh, so how do we begin to exercise our faith in Christ? I would say, uh, well, if we're going to exercise our faith in Christ, our faith is a belief. If we have a belief, then well, then we have to act on that belief. If if we're going to exercise it, so if so, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, then act like he's the Christ, rather than you know. Doing like 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 uh, Neil's uh, high school friend had done, uh, and just just uh, just talk. Instead, you should walk the walk, and and that can 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 come in a variety of ways. Like 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 you might not have faith in some aspects of the gospel. Will exercise your faith in in the parts that that you do believe. Like for example, uh, I think I've mentioned this before that. That 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 uh that like I would pray, and then and then I would feel impressions from the Holy Ghost to look in some place for something that I had lost, and and then I and and then I would say all but once, and that's probably the the most recent time that I felt as though as though I've I very sincerely prayed to find to something in a timely manner, all except this one time. I found something in what I would define as a miraculous manner, mm. and 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 so so I believe that God answers prayers, and and I had some degree of faith in this before I ever got any sort of a a miraculous answer, and I I I, I exercised to that faith, but that faith was the size of a mustard seed, and now it's grown, and. And you can take that and apply it to basically any aspect of the gospel. And just starting with the little things is how you begin to exercise your faith in Christ. Yeah, I like that. Do you think you, 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 your comments caused me to think of this, which is, do you think that maybe one of the reasons why we don't exercise faith is because we really don't know something? And I know sometimes... Well, I think, I believe that sometimes we might not exercise faith or put our trust in God because we really don't know Him. 
you know, maybe we read about him or, or maybe we've heard people talk about him, but we individually don't know him. That makes sense, actually. Yeah. If you don't know someone, how can you trust them? I'm thinking of Elder Anderson's friend in high school. I'm guessing that she probably, at that moment in her life, didn't really know she knew the principles, but didn't know. Right. She, she had heard things, right? She, had, she was there in seminary. She was learning about, you know, from the scriptures about, about who God is. So she knew about God. But knowing God and knowing about God, I don't think are the same. No, they're completely different. So how do we come to know who God really is? And Tyrone, your experience is a great example of that. You came to know him as you talked to him. And then as you gave him space in your life, to allow him to talk to you. You know, we call that revelation or inspiration. But, you know, as he as he helped you find things that you hoped to find, that you, you didn't know where they were and you invoked his aid, he demonstrated some things to you, right? He revealed some of himself to you. Now, you've got faith, it sounds like, that if, you, if something goes missing that you really need and you sincerely ask God, he's going to help you find it. You know, either in a timely manner or, as you said, you had this even miraculous experience. Yeah, like, like I look in, like, one of, one of them was a, uh, was a, uh, I, I had lost my mom's debit card, and I had it in my chest pocket. I was running, it fell out, and then I went to the store. There was somebody falling behind me. I can't remember who they were, but then I was, I was like, oh wait, I don't have the card. Mm -hmm. And I went back to the last place that I had made sure that it was in my pocket. And then I walked it toward the store. But from there, I couldn't find it. Uh, and then I started, like, like, like getting worried about somebody, like, stealing my mom's sure. money. Yeah. And then, so, I don't usually like, like, obviously praying in, in, in a public place. But yet I felt as though it was the most appropriate because I felt as though I was in need. And so I decided that I knelt down on the sidewalk and I prayed. And then the other person who was walking when I was running, uh, they, 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 they had caught up. I told them about the situation. And, and uh, so then they decided to, to, to help me look. We ended up walking toward the store in hopes that somebody had found the card over there. And, uh, and when I was walking by this gr these, these two homeless-looking people, I thought that I could ask them. But then I, like, 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 my own bias of not wanting to ask yeah. grimy-looking people a, a question, like, has sunk in, and I decided to not ask them a question. But the person that I was with, not being so unjustly biased, decided to ask them if they had seen a debit card. And then they were like, yeah, we've seen it. Uh, what name was on the card and, yeah. and then I was like Tara Roland and they're like oh we have it right here we found it just over there and we and and we went to the store but nobody with that name was there here you go and I'm like wow that's pretty awesome yeah not only do I find the card miraculously but I also get a lesson of not thinking of of not like being a biased jerk well yes yeah there's that there's that but I love also how you know, God spoke to you, but then we have to choose in that moment if we're going to trust. That's where real faith is, right? Trust in his prompting over our own, you know, logical uh, understanding, understanding, you know, how we view things. And, and isn't it great that your friend 
the, the person with you, you know, so biased, yeah. cho- chose to like, you know, act on that prompting, which means God's not just talking to you, but he's talking to them. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I love how your faith in God in, in this aspect of, of who he is and wh- how he loves you um, seems to be pretty solid. I mean, the fact that you're willing to kneel down and pray on the sidewalk, right, to, to really let him know, hey, will you help me? I need your help to demonstrate that. So, it's so, also a good example of crying unto the Lord. It is. It really is. So here's what I'm wondering, though. Is good how do, job. <laughs> yeah. How do we? How do we? Um, how do we develop the kind of faith in God that when we need to repent, and and the more we learn about Him, I think the more we feel it that we need to. How do we get? How do we trust Him such that we're willing to to connect with Him about those things? Right. It's one thing to lose something. It's another thing to recognize, hey, maybe the way I'm living my life or this thing that I'm doing or not doing um, needs to change. How do we develop the kind of faith or, or exercise our faith so that it will lead to that repentance? Is there anything that you guys have learned or anything Elder Anderson taught that could help us with that? Hmm. Well, what I've learned about essentially inciting change is uh, being in need of it. People don't usually care about changing unless they see that there's a problem. People don't see that there's a problem unless they want something and then they can't acquire it because there's some sort of a stumbling block. And so, and some people don't see that stumbling block because they're completely fine with not going up to it. Like, 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 like you want to, I can't think of a good analogy right now, but, but, but like, they don't want to be perfect. They just want to be who they are and they don't mind that. And so they're not reaching any real stumbling block that they can perceive. Uh, but wanting to do something that's recognizing the ideal and striving for it is going to lead to actions where you're doing something that you want to do and then you're going to find that that you can that you are very incapable of doing something perfectly and that's where God can help you to improve yourself and and that is where 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 when you are in need God can tell you hey if you want to be better let me tell you how to be better and it may not be the exact thing that you think you need but to be better like like uh this is something that I think applies to me a bit, and I think it applies to a lot of people. Uh, a lot of confidence comes from the self-worth and the self-value. And if you want to be better at some task, but you lack the confidence to go and execute, maybe God won't show you how to do that thing better. He'll show you how to be a better person so you have more self-worth. Mm. And then that can give you confidence indirectly a, a kind of to 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 go and do a better things and so god is 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 improving you in an ethical capacity which then helps you in your more minute uh desires yeah that makes a lot of sense you know really i think jesus's role in coming to earth and and atoning for our sins and and everything else that was included in that I think he, his, his whole charge is to show us how God's, 
God wants to heal us. He wants to make us whole. And whether that's, you know, lacking in our, our, our belief that we can change or that we can improve um, or not taking ownership for the things we have done to ourselves, you know, I think, I think that's, that all comes about as we um, have a real relationship with God. That's how we come to know God is we have a relationship with him. And, and one of the best ways we do that, one of the primary ways, I think, is having real sincere communication with him. One, one thing Elder Anderson teaches is that the very center of our repentance and, 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 and forgiveness is heartfelt communications with our Heavenly Father spoken in the name of his Son. And so he, one of the things he shares, I love this, is on page 107, is that when our actions have offended God, and, and as we know, I mean, the two great commandments are to love God, right, with all our heart, might, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. So when we do things that offend God or his children, right, um, what do we do? Well, it says here, Elder Anderson says, we should go to him first. We go to him first and throughout the journey of repentance. He says, this deeply honest, intense speaking and listening with our Heavenly Father is not complicated, but it is not always easy. And I think sometimes we just, there's a lot of excuses, right? Can you think of some excuses that keep us from having real, sincere, honest communications with Heavenly Father about what's really happening? I'm busy. Yeah. I don't want to talk to a person I don't know. Yeah. Being I've, busy. I regret what I'm doing, but yet I don't want to stop. Yeah. I, I feel regret, but I don't know if I want to change. I've done this all my life. How can I change? Yeah. Exactly. Those things can can be stumbling blocks. And I think Elder Anderson does address many of those in these future chapters of, of the book. Um, but he also says this, I think, and I really like this. I guess I, I highlighted it, so that's why I like it. Um, but he says, um, in page 110, when we consciously set aside an important time and an important place, as we pray vocally with true intent, the power of our prayers ascends to heaven. Um, if we will make the time when we won't be rushed and find a quiet place where we will not be interrupted and cry out to our loving eternal father in the sacred name of his son and then listen, we will feel his spirit and know, and I love how he says this, well, number one, he hears us, but also we'll know that his arms of mercy are still stretched out to us. And, and to me, I think that's one of the most beautiful experiences we can have, is to make that real connection with God and allow him to reveal himself to us. Um, and this, this part of himself, that he has mercy and love, that he hears our prayers, that he, he wants to help and he wants to heal. And I think when we feel that, I think that helps us increase our faith. At least that's that's how that's how I've been experiencing that as I've been um, trying to uh, create that uh, make time in my life to have that relationship with God. Hmm. I guess for myself, with crying out unto the Lord, I think of it for just myself as. God wants us to pray because he wants to know us. He wants 
to help us and to make it a way for us to go back to him. And I think crying unto him is one of the ways we can understand God's love for us. Even if it takes time for him to answer our prayers. It's just how I see it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it, prayer gives us an opportunity to know God and for him to teach us about ourselves. I mean, that's one thing I'm learning about is as, I've, as I'm trying this in my life, I feel like I'm learning more about who I am and how things really are. You know, which is humbling. Those are hard conversations. They are. You might think, you know, you're really good at this thing or you're doing this thing really well. And God says, well... You could be a bit better. Yeah, or even more like you're not doing as well as you think you're doing, you know. <laughs> and and you need, to, you need to see things as they really are. Because if you keep going in this direction that you think is, you know, great, you don't realize that maybe you're causing harm and, and injury to people around you and, and even to yourself. yourself. And, and the thing you really want is like, let's say you really want a relationship with someone, but the way you're treating that person is creating barriers and wedges instead of closeness. And God, so the God tells you, Hey, you're not really doing this right. If you'll listen to me, you know, uh, and, and the listening is really important. I wonder if sometimes when we cried out to God, if we just cry out for help. And then don't listen. And then we don't listen to what he has to tell us. Which is why I loved your experience, Tyrone, because I know you've had experiences where you have listened. And then and then just that experience of thinking, well, and you're, you're kind of pitting your own, you know. Biases. Yeah, against what God's inviting you to do. And, and when we surrender ourselves, I think that's when real power starts to come into our lives when we surrender to God's wisdom or knowledge or understanding. I would like to tell a short story that I think very well fits what you just mentioned. And that is, so, so ever since I was a kid, I've been very concerned with accurate information. And it's because like, I've been lied to. I've, I've had arguments with people where, 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 uh, there's just mild miss communication where people don't say exactly what they mean, and then it leads to two people having two different interpretations, and it leads to an argument, and it leads to conflict, and then people end up hating each other, and it's like, if you just actually understood each other because you spoke with exactness, then there would be no issue. So my mom has dysphagia, which is like dyslexia, except, ex except it's audio rather than visual. So she doesn't understand a whole lot. And it's and, and it's and it's hard to have deep conversations with her, but sometimes she wants to have a like like a deeper conversation because she doesn't understand something, and I'm trying to explain it to her, and I explain it to her like seven different times in like four different ways, and and it just doesn't seem to get through, and something I have a tendency to do with not just my mom but a lot of people because I like giving information rather than letting people think, I'll just tell them answers. I'm like, here's information, absorb this. And, <laughs> and I do this because I want more people to have more information so that way everyone can be educated and everyone can be more right. But what I found is, is that although that can have its place and its time, it is oftentimes, especially in like a one-on-one -on -one conversation, much, much more important 
to not just answer people's questions outright and to not just ask them a question and then answer it yourself, but instead let them think. Because, because if you just give them information, they may not know how to absorb it. And they're not using their own mind. They're not turning their own cogs. But if you, if, if you let them think, then you're actually letting them do what you want them to do, which is utilize their brain to find wisdom and to determine logic. And so, like, doing things my way was not very useful. But when I felt inspired and even informed by, by other people to just let other people think for themselves, it, it has produced more of what I wanted in the first place. And I really believe, Tyrone, that, that the, the more we know God, the better we see that I think that's what he does with us, too. Yeah. That's part of how he answers that question. You know, we, we sometimes go to him and want just the, the answer or the thing, and God says, well, I'm going to give it to you. But the scriptures teach how it often comes line upon line, precept on precept. And, and if we hearken to those precepts, we get more. And when we don't, we, we end up kind of losing what we had. And, and it, it gives us a chance to really uh, think for ourselves and make decisions for ourselves. Are we going to do trust God or not? He's a parent and a teacher. Yeah, He'll he really give us is. the information. It's our choice what to make with it. Uh, Elder Neil A. Maxwell, who's... Not the same as Neil L. Anderson, but their names sound kind of close because they both start, you know, have first names of Neil. Spelled differently, by the way. But <laughs> Elder Anderson quotes Elder Maxwell, who, who says that Elder Maxwell taught often about the submission of our will to the will of our Heavenly Father. He said, the submission of one's will is really the only uniquely personal thing we have to place on God's altar. The many other things we give, quote-unquote, whether it's our time or talents or whatever are actually the things he has already given or loaned to us however when you and i finally submit ourselves by letting our individual wills be swallowed up in god's will does that remind you of anybody anybody who let his will be swallowed up in god's will right <laughs> that's what makes jesus such a great uh not you know he's a powerful example of what this is like he did the same thing um, then we are really giving something to God. It is only possession. It is the only possession which is truly ours to give. So I again, I'm I'm grateful, Tyrone. You shared that experience about the prayer, and because I think all of us have those experiences where God speaks to us, and when we give Him space to listen, and and we we really listen, we have to choose: Am I going to trust Him? Am I going to try to do things His way? And I think we'll find more power in our lives to act and to do when we do things his way than if we just trust in ourselves or what we think is right. Again, thanks for uh, listening to us. And we hope that you're able to study this book yourselves and find out whether truths you want to take from it. And we'll be back with another episode focusing on future chapters. I think the section is called Finding Our Way to the Savior. Finding Our Way to the Savior, where he really helps us get past some of the barriers that keep us from, from truly repenting. Thank you for listening. Adios.